Hello, and welcome to a single-subject episode of Charlottesville Community Engagement, produced to bring a little more information about the Seville Plans Together initiative that is in full force this May. Just after recording time, the comment period was extended to June 13th, so you have until then to make a comment if you are so inclined. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program, which in every installment seeks to bring you more information about all of the moving parts in the greater Charlottesville area. On today's show, we'll have a summary of a recent steering committee of the Seville Plans Together initiative. And what do the three Democratic candidates for the two party nominations think about the process to date? Today's Patreon-fueled shout-out is for the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Campaign, an initiative that wants you to grow native plants in yards, farms, public spaces, and gardens in the Northern Piedmont. Native plants provide habitat, food sources for wildlife, ecosystem resiliency in the face of climate change, and clean water. Start at the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Facebook page and tell them Lonnie Murray sent you. The steering committee overseeing the Seville Plans Together initiative met last week on May 19th to take a mid-month review of the latest round of the public engagement efforts. To recap, the firm Roadside and Harwell is overseeing an update of the city's comprehensive plan, as well as a rewrite of the city's zoning code. They've already produced an affordable housing strategy that city council adopted in March. In February 2019, Council voted to approve spending up to $1 million to hire an outside consultant to take over the oversight of the comprehensive plan. For background, I wrote a story back then that explains the reasons behind the decision, and there's a link in the newsletter. The work got underway in January 2020 and continued during the pandemic with virtual meetings. There were two previous community engagement periods last year, in addition to the one underway now. Jennifer Koch is a project manager with Roadside and Harwell. And we, we fully recognize, you know, there are folks in the community who, um, you know, may not have been aware of this process that was going on. And we've been working hard to reach folks, but we know it's, it's been quite a year. We've been doing a lot of virtual engagement through the past year, and we don't anticipate that will completely go away as we move forward. But we also know it's really nice to speak with people in person. First, members of the steering committee had the opportunity to weigh in. One of them is City Councilor Michael Payne, who will be one of five votes to adopt the comprehensive plan and the updated zoning code sometime next year. At this stage, he wanted to suggest a change in the title of one of the draft chapters. With the economic prosperity and opportunity, I know it mentions community wealth building in the update, um, but I still wonder whether you know it may make more sense for the chapter itself to be focused on community wealth building, um, again, to try to gear that chapter towards more systemic change, thinking about how things like community land trust, community development corporations, um, uh, community gardens all interconnect as a system for wealth creation Um, that's different than the normal way of doing economic development. Christine Jacobs, the interim executive director of the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission, applauded language about regional partnerships. However, she wanted her organization to be more specifically referenced, given the number of bodies it runs on which Charlottesville City Councilors serve. The TJPDC does house the Charlottesville Albemarle MPO 
It also has the regional transit partnership and the regional housing partnership. Diana Dale represents the leaders of neighborhood associations in the city. She drew attention to the chapter on land use, urban form, and historic and cultural preservation. And I'm thinking in particular of goal two, uh, protect and enhance the existing distinct identities of the city's older neighborhoods while promoting housing options, a mix of uses and sustainable uses in the community. Dale said some residents of neighborhoods are concerned that some of the portions of their areas have been changed from low intensity to medium intensity, such as most of the Lewis Mountain neighborhood and some of the Martha Jefferson neighborhood, where she lives. That could allow between 4 to 12 units per lot, but that will remain unclear until it is time to rewrite the zoning code. What is aspirational and what is actually codifiable? The zoning rewrite will be conducted by the firm Code Studio, a subcontractor whose work will be informed by the affordable housing plan and the future land use map. Here's Lee Einsweiler of Code Studio. I, I'm not certain that that we have a whole lot of the answers. We were hoping we could work through things at the more generalized level of the future land use map and then begin to craft the strategies for implementing those tools. Einsweiler said that each category on the future land use map will not be represented by a single zoning district. Uh, there would be, you know, two, three, four implementing zoning districts that might all have uh, appropriate strategies for different parts of the community. Um, but those can't quite be figured out until we can understand where they're likely to be applied. Dale remained concerned. The vagueness is not helping people's confidence in the plan. Dale also expressed concern about the impacts of more people on the existing infrastructure. She said roads might need to be widened to accommodate additional traffic, acknowledging the city has issues delivering on infrastructure projects, such as frequent buses and a consistent bike and sidewalk network. The guidance is recommending multimodal strategies, et cetera. That's going to take time and funding to um, to implement. And um, uh, and that's been a long struggle for for a lot of improvements over time for those of us who've been in the city. There are 19 neighborhoods across the city, and the 2007 comprehensive plan contains an entire appendix of specific requests from neighborhoods that came from a citywide design day arranged by the now defunct nonprofit called the Charlottesville Community Design Center. That approach was abandoned for the 2013 comprehensive plan, and the 2017 process did not seek a thorough capturing of what residents of neighborhoods wanted. Ashley Davies, who represents the Charlottesville Area Development Roundtable, or CADRE, on the steering committee, suggested an approach that built upon previous efforts to plan at a neighborhood level. And I think people are hungry to give you all feedback that is more specific to their area. And I, you know, I think it's a shame that we can't really have the time right now to do the small area planning, because I think that's what a lot of people want um, to inform the land use plan. There's a lot of discussion of what role the future land use map plays. Is it advisory? If so, what does that mean? Ron Sessoms is with Roadside and Harwell. 
Um, the future land use map is a critical component of the comprehensive plan. It sets the stage for the city's long-term vision of how it's going to grow. Um, in this case, thinking 20 years ahead, um, defining the location and character of development in different areas of the city. You can think of this as the 10,000 foot view of the city and defining where there are opportunities for growth. Sesum said the land use map is a guide for development, but is not binding like zoning. As we think about the future land use map, it's much more broad. The zoning code is much more detailed because it is getting into more of the specifics of what it means to fulfill the future land use map. The medium intensity residential category is new with this comp plan update and encourages construction between 4 and 12 units per lot. Sesums said that did not have to be out of scale with existing buildings. They can be integrated into the fabric of a neighborhood. Uh, they don't have to be five stories to get fourplexes or any of the medium intensity development types. Ashley Davies said that she liked that the future land use map begins a process of reducing the amount of areas colored as low intensity residential or single family zoning but thought that there should be some sense of what types of housing units would be prioritized first. It seems to me the the strategy for adding units in the city and adding resident, residential um, is maybe we need to talk about the hierarch, hierarchy of how that can truly happen in Charlottesville. Dale said the Martha Jefferson Neighborhood Association's board of directors supports soft density, which would involve adding accessory units and permitting apartments within existing structures. But they don't yet support being colored as medium intensity. Is there an opportunity to to merge the ambitions of transforming Charlottesville to general residential, which is a big step to begin with? and to merge some of the, the, the intentions of the medium density. And I recognize this may happen as you move towards a, a more strata, that there's more levels of, 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 of medium density. This draft also includes a name change for low-density residential to general residential, which now recommends up to three units per lot. Lena Seville, a Belmont resident who was on the steering committee, wanted to know why general residential does not recommend allowing four units per lot. There are plenty of, of little houses that are split into four. You know, at two stories, it's it's four apartments. It's They're easier to build. They, you know, they mirror each other. They're, you know, they, 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 um, they have the same footprint. Much of what is happening in Charlottesville is patterned off an effort in Minneapolis, where their city council voted to permit duplexes and triplexes in all R1 areas. Here's Lee Einsweiler with Code Studio again. You may have followed the exercise in Minneapolis in which they began talking about four and ended uh, adopting three. Part of the conversation was about the, the likelihood that the uh, existing house would be replaced as opposed to split. So the three is most likely, you know, an additional building on the property and potentially uh, a unit carved out of the main house. At the meeting, some members expressed concern about a perceived lack of engagement. Valerie Washington represents the Charlottesville Low-Income Housing Coalition. 
while this process has been going on for a while now, there's still many, um, many folks in the community that I've spoken to who have no idea about this process. Is there any plan to um, really put some education out there for folks who are having difficulty um, understanding the planning process so they can better uh, participate? LaToya Thomas of the firm Brick and Story, another subcontractor, acknowledges that many people are not knowledgeable in planning issues. But the Seville Plans Together initiative wants to educate more people, especially as the pandemic recedes. We are reaching out to as many people that we can obviously get connected to, but we also know that many of you are connected to folks. And so we will continue to make ourselves available if there are groups of folks that you know you want to convene. Diana Dale of the Martha Jefferson neighborhood suggested a pause while people get caught up on the planning process. That would give people the chance to read the many recommendations in the affordable housing plan adopted by council in March. Most of the community doesn't really understand how it informs the plan. It's not being addressed because it was previewed with the public last fall when everyone had their head down dealing with Zoom school and Zoom work and healthcare and everything else. And recently so. It was a 100-year health event. S. Lisa Herndon is a realtor on the steering committee who wants to see a map that depicts where redlining occurred in the past, which would overlay areas proposed for more intense development. And going back to the history of Vinegar Hill and Gospel Hill, there is communities that were negatively impacted. And now we're going through redevelopment again. And we see a lack of equity in terms of participation. And I see nothing within this where it shows us where we were and how we're going to prevent um, that negative effect on, on in communities of African-American historical context. I don't see that. Sunshine Mathon, executive director of the Piedmont Housing Alliance, said he has been through this process in other communities where he has worked. He reminded people that the intent of the initiative is to guide change. One of the things that gets lost in the translation is that uh, change is constant. And people have this assumption that their neighborhoods are um, a thing and have always been that thing, um, which is fundamentally not true. Um, and you know, one of the changes that we are seeing across the city, regardless of the form of the city, one of the real changes is the dramatic increase in cost of living in the city. And that is a that's a fundamental change that um, the the plan itself can't be the tool that solves that on its own, um, but it is an ingredient in that tool set. The deadline to submit public comment has been extended to June 13th. You can submit a survey, send in an email, or make comments on an interactive map. All of these are available on the Seville Plans Together website, and there's going to be a link in the newsletter. The Planning Commission is expected to have a work session on June 29th. After that, The plan is supposed to be adopted by the end of the summer. That will begin the process to rewrite the zoning code. That could change depending on further input. Stay tuned, as we're going to be talking about this for quite a while. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for another subscriber-supported public service announcement. It's getting safer and safer to get out there and check out live music. 
If you want to go out and hear people who have been waiting to get out and play, check out the Charlottesville Jazz Society and their running list of events. The Charlottesville Jazz Society is dedicated to the promotion, preservation, and perpetuation of all jazz. And the best thing you can do now is to go out and check some music out if you feel safe. Check out the link to the Charlottesville Jazz Society in the newsletter to learn more. Last week, the Martha Jefferson Neighborhood Association held a candidate forum for the three Democratic candidates running for two party nominations. The future land use map and the comprehensive plan update came up. Moderator Paul Miller asked this question. Charlottesville is currently undergoing a significant update in the comprehensive land use plan and zoning in decades. Proposals significantly change the approach to residential areas, eliminating single family lot zoning and replacing it with three new categories that allow increasing densities of multifamily through subdivision, infill, and redevelopment. A section of Martha Jeff neighborhood may undergo significant change. Since the vote on these proposals will occur under the next city council, we hope you have been paying attention. Two questions. What do you think about the public engagement process that has been conducted under the pandemic? Second question. What do you think about these new approaches to residential areas to address housing and affordability issues? Juan Diego Wade, a member of the Charlottesville School Board who is not seeking a fifth term but is instead running for council, went first. As you heard, I have my, this is what um, I'm trained in, um, I'm, I'm planning. And we have been asked at the, all of our forums about this. And this is my position on this, is that we know that single use lot zoning was established essentially as an exclusionary type of zoning many, many, many years ago. And we're dealing with that today. And so I think that as a counselor, I would, you know, um, to respond to one of your questions, have a more engaged public input process because, you know, I, I got, I had input on the last process, but it was virtually, and I just don't think it was as engaged as, as we should be. And I think on a big topic like this, we need to have, um, you know, real public input because I think that maybe we need to look at some type of rezoning, but I think it's so much more that we can do before we kind of touch that third um, rail um, of what, you know, because I think 55, 56% of the city is that single same family unit zoning. And so if we're going to deal with affordable housing, we may have to consider that. But I think it's so much more that we can do, like work with the University of Virginia to address affordable housing. And that's something that they're doing. Work with places like Habitat for Humanity and, and AHIP to address that. But more importantly, also get the localities to um, address affordable housing. Right now, Charlottesville is the main player in the game. Um, we're putting six, seven million dollars in. And I think the place I work for, Albemarle County, is barely putting a million in. And so we need to get other players to the table as well. And I think that that will help alle alleviate some of the burden just on, on Charlottesville. Um, and, um, but uh, the bottom line is that I think that we can consider it, but I think it's other avenues that we have to do, um, we can look at. We, can, we can't take anything off of the table. 
Next, Carl Brown went, but he didn't really address the Seville Plans Together initiative in his response. And I totally agree with, with Juan in, in terms of just the relationship itself. Um, I think just being at the tables um, and dus- discussing various housing hubs and different things that can be done in this community to kind of offset some of that. One of the things we realized was at those meetings through the city, which I was an independent consultant on, um, the, all the players weren't at the table. Uh, and so one of the things that kind of intrigued me is how will we go forward if we don't have all the players at the table? And what players are we talking about? The Realtors Association is a big player in this that we haven't included and haven't been included um, for a long time in terms of how we solve this problem. And so just knowing realtors and people who own homes who are trying to help the community and make their way, there's a disconnect in terms of the tenant, in terms of the responsibility of the homes. So now the responsibility comes on the tenant to be able to keep the upgrade if somebody destroys their home with no city support. And just the conversation on what the city can do to partner with these individuals that can make it incentive related where they can have incentivize and have a partnership and a better understanding. So much like Juan, I totally agree, is it's, it's aspirational, but I think until you bring all the players to the table, um, which at this point we have not, um, I, I think that needs to be done first. That needs to be explored going forward. And that would be something that I would want to explore and say, listen, I understand where you're coming from, but I also understand these individuals are not um, on the table. They haven't been to the table. So let's find out those conversations, UVA, Almar County, um, there are a lot of players. And so the disconnect that we see currently on the board, I think, kind of merges and makes us a tough partner to deal with because we can't get along and we can't get along with other partners. So some people may stay back. I think going forward, we need to start anew and say, let's have real meetings um, and ju- not for the sake of just saying, OK, public, you're not going to get real meetings like that. A lot of people are not going to engage um, in that forum. And so we need to be able to look at that and and, and be a little more transparent about how we do it and bring the pay- players to the table and, and, and kind of address those issues and not be standoffish like we have it all figured out. There are a lot of individuals in this area who can help with this problem, but I don't think we brought them all to the table. So I, I agree with Wallace. Brian Pinkston, project manager and 2019 candidate, Brian Pinkston went next. Yeah, I, I would say that I largely agree with what's been said. I, I will say this, two years ago, we were all talking about having a plan for affordable housing when I ran and by golly, if they didn't go out and hire what I think is a decent consultant, uh, people will complain about the cost of the consultant, but consultants aren't cheap. Um, and I feel like the affordable housing plan, I've read it several times through, is a strong, good plan. And density is one component of it, increasing density, but only one component. There's a whole lot of other stuff that's in- included in that plan. And I think, so I'm, to, to, so, so, so that's the affordable housing plan. One part of that that's that's geared towards addressing it is obviously the comprehensive plan and specifically the uh, the future land use map, which I've gotten tons of comments on. Uh, and I, you know, I've spoken to folks on the planning commission and current city councilors. It, it is a little awkward. I'm not sure, honestly, um, um, if they'll approve it this time or not. Will this council, who's ever on the next council? We'll have to implement the zoning ordinances. It's not clear to me how the timing will work. So I, I don't know how that piece will work. Um, what I will say is that um, I largely agree with the sentiments of the folks that are on the planning commission that are really working with a consultant to have higher density. Um, I think that we need to think up closely about what, what increased density looks like in our area and how we can 
uh, how we can operationalize that as opposed to just talking about it. I do, my sense just in looking at the map and the conversations I've had is that it is a tad too aggressive. Uh, I don't think we're ready for that. Um, that said, I think we're ready for something. Uh, I think we're ready for uh, accessory dwelling units. We're uh, what we call soft density. Um, and I, I do think we need to sort of put our money where, where our sort of moral mouth is in terms of creating affordability. And part of that's going to be a denser, denser um, city. And so I'm still looking at the map, honestly. I'm, I'm talking to folks on the Planning Commission. Um, I do think, again, what's being proposed right now seems too aggressive to me. Um, one of the folks I've talked to said, well, it's, it's a, it should be considered a living document. It's something that's not set in stone forever. And, you know, and, and I get that. I think that that has some validity. That said, once something's out there, then that will inform the conversation going forward. So uh, it's kind of an awkward point, uh, honestly. I, I do think that when we get to that, what I do think this council will actually end up having to do, quite frankly, is take these sort of high-level comp plans and things like that and craft the, the granular zoning ordinances for what happens at the corner of Rugby Avenue and 250. That's where I think we're going to have to really get down in the weeds and say, okay, this is a great aspiration. What does this really look like? And so um, I can't say that I have all the answers for that. What I, what I will do is I'll talk to a process, and that is I'll listen, I'll be thoughtful, I'll look at all the various viewpoints, uh, I'll be sensitive to residents. Somehow we've got to balance the fact that the city needs, we need more density, both because of our racist past and also because we're trying to help build a stronger future. We need that. At the same time, we've got to preserve our neighborhoods. If we just roll in and we uh, don't take care of our neighborhoods and we've lost quality of life. The last thing I'll say about this, and I know I'm running out of time, is that part of the reason this is such an issue now is that neighborhood development services has not really been an entity, best I can tell, for the last decade in terms of really adding value to these conversations. I'm not sure we would have really needed a consultant or if we would have had a consultant, um, there would have been more. I, I feel like the neighborhoods are the last to hear about this and they should have been at the very beginning. So that's something that does concern me. I, I do feel like there should have been and should be more time for input. Um, my guess is, and this is just a guess, is that this is going to go before council, and they're going to say, okay, hang on, let's think about this for a while. Anyway, that, that's all I can say about it right at this point. What do you think? Have you made your comment? If you'd like to communicate with me and tell me that, uh, this is a topic I will be continuing to cover, uh, and lots of other media outlets will be continuing to cover for a long time. So please do let me know what you think, and uh, do pay attention to everything else I cover, because it's all related. And that is it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Uh, this is uh, the latest episode. There's a backlog of other things I need to get to, so there's going to be another one coming out tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to bringing you more from Albemarle County, which will be the subject of the next installment. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, and if you would like to support this program financially, which would be very grateful, I would be very grateful for that. One thing you can do is subscribe through Substack and Ting, the company Ting, will match that comment. And I will receive that funding, which will allow me to continue to plan to continue to bring you this information as long as I can. 
Thanks for listening. Please do send it on to more people so we can grow the audience. And again, ask questions. Ask questions all the time and uh, ask them of me, ask them of anybody. You can ask your cat questions, ask your dog questions. If you happen to have a pet pig, ask that thing some questions. Either way, stay safe out there. <laughs>